Hi, welcome to Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today I am joined by rider for Novo Nordisk, Sam Brand. Sam was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was 10 years old and he's spoken to me about how this has affected him and how his incredible all-diabetes team, Team Novo Nordisk, has helped him and has supported him and the other riders in the team. I hope you all enjoy listening to Sam's incredible story. Thank you for joining me today, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chat, so yeah, thank you. What's your first memory of being on a bike? Oh, great question. Um, first memory is probably uh, we have a fantastic uh, youth set up on the Isle of Man. Uh, we have a small road um, around a sort of a running track and um, it's famous for a lot of cyclists from the Isle of Man coming through. Uh, Doc Tilbury runs it and uh, one of my first memories has got to be on a fun day we did is do a salt course around there, picking up bottles, going under under pole. So that's kind of my first memory apart from when you look back at the photos from my mum and dad's album, you see me in the back uh, on like a child's chair on the back of the on the back of their bike and I'm fast asleep. So <laughs> then things don't change. I spend most of my time asleep now anyway. So uh, yeah, but my first memory is just having fun um, trying to beat my brother around the sort of neighborhood and those kind of usual memories. What's the first bike that you remember being really excited about? Well, again, it's the brotherly thing. My brother's 18 months older than me and he always had new and I always had his. So it was always hand-me-downs. But my dad made me this bike, which was my brother's hand-me-down, but he got it re-sprayed. He painted it red because it was my favorite color, uh, put my name on it and everything. And that was probably the first bike that I was super, really excited about. Um, just something that had my name on it was mine. And um, that's something that brings me joy. You know, the bike brings me joy every day. Uh, and every bike, no matter what it is, no matter what its reason, whether it's to go down the shop, whether it's a BMX, no matter what it is, jumping on a bike is exciting. So um, the first bike was probably that bike, um, but every bike since. Do your family and your brother still ride now? So my mum and dad cycle a lot. Um, that's how I kind of have always been around in and around cycling. I didn't really get involved in cycling until later in life, but um, I was always there uh, around it. My mum and dad cycle a lot uh, together. Usually my mum's sitting on my dad's wheel like this. Uh, but um, my brother doesn't cycle so much. Um, he never really got involved in the cycling side. But like I say, we all watch races together. But um, my mum and dad definitely still involved. My dad organised. There's a lot of cycling events in the Isle of Man, so yeah, he's big into it. So you're a cyclist with type 1 diabetes. Firstly, can you tell me about this and how it affects your body? So uh, yeah, I'm a cyclist with type 1 diabetes. I race for Team Nova Nordisk. It's the world's first all-diabetes professional cycling team. We have 18 professional riders, all with type 1 diabetes, and it's just, it's an autoimmune condition when my body doesn't produce insulin anymore, so I have to manually regulate my level of insulin so um it's just a way of checking my blood sugars during my ride during my daily life and making sure that my blood sugar is within zone so if i'm low i need to make sure i'm eating if i'm high i need to make sure that i i counter that uh and make sure that i keep my blood sugars in in, in as close a range 
to someone without diabetes. So that's kind of just my daily task, something I've had, I've lived with for a long time. And um, I've actually had diabetes for nearly 21 years. Um, I was diagnosed on World Diabetes Day, which is coincidence. Um, so that was the 14th of November, 2001, um, at 10 years old. And I don't remember a day without diabetes now. And, you know, with it being that day, um, I almost, I say to a lot of parents with children with type one, I say, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I get met with a lot of shocked reactions. Um, but for me, it's, um, it gave me sort of a routine. It gave me a community, a family, a team, and something to fight for every day. So for me, it's turned into my superpower and using the bike to show what's possible with diabetes really allows me to help not only myself, but also change my part of the world and help everyone around the world affected by diabetes. So it's a passion. It's, a, it's just something that I have to live with every day. How did it affect your childhood and how did you get diagnosed? I don't know how much it affected my childhood because when I was diagnosed, there weren't so many other people uh, at that age. So I think there's only one other and it went to a, and he went to a different school. Um, so really, I kind of my parents were fantastic. You know, Google isn't what it is now. So we couldn't see so much. We just had to embrace it, learn with it every day. My parents were fantastic and still are fantastic. Um, they give me such support. Um, I had a great team on the Isle of Man, sort of um, diabetes care team to support me. It was kind of like, um, I want to do this. And they say, okay, let's make it happen. Uh, put a plan in place. And that kind of, I grew with the diabetes. I have teammates who had different sort of diagnosis stories where they told they'll never ride again. But you know, if someone told me you can't, I just say, watch me, you know, so um, it's kind of built a resilience and toughness. And it's sort of something that gives me that extra bit of fire. So I would say growing up was pretty standard, pretty normal for anyone. So I was allowed to kick a football, run around, play every sport I could and just be super competitive. So that's just kind of I think the competitive edge got me through most of it anyway. When you were younger, was it hard to sort of understand what was going on in your body? Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, it was something I still learn now, 21 years later, I still don't know everything, you know, and it's it's humbling to not know everything because I always like to learn stuff. But um, it was difficult, I would say, to get used to it. I'm not saying diabetes is easy. I'm not saying it's the most straightforward condition, but it's manageable. And if I take everything in step by step, like I do on the bike, like I do in day to day life anyway, then um, it allows me to break things down. It allows me to understand a bit more. I'm the sort of person, like I say, wants to learn. So having that sort of mindset that I can learn and I can adapt and overcome every situation. So every day is different. No two days are the same, no matter what I do. You have to react to the situation, react to what your blood sugar is. But that's something that although frustrating at times, we all have frustrations in day-to-day -day life, as I say. So um, it, it's still trying to understand what's going to happen, how I'm going to react, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a learning process. Did growing up on the Isle of Man make things more challenging in terms of accessing sports? Um, no, I think the Isle of Man set up on, at a young age is, is pretty good. You know, we have such a... Um, 
high level of different sort of activities. The problem is when you become more elite or more focused on a specific sport, the competition becomes narrower when you go higher. So for example, if you want to do cycling, you compete against the local cyclists, but then you need to go nationally to get that next step. And that's the same with most sports. But if you're good enough at a sport, you have those opportunities and you do have opportunities to grow. You know, I represent the Isle of Man in football, basketball, cricket, um, most sports as, as a, as a sort of someone at school, uh, I would do everything I could. And that would leave me with no time left in the day. I remember going out, uh, training for triathlon that I wasn't really training for. I was just at school, but then I would go out on my bike or go out for a run and then go straight to football training. So, um, I would never have said I really trained on the bike until sort of I started triathlon, which was when I went to university. So um, it was kind of, you do what you can, but I was running around doing everything. I mean, it's playing football four nights a week, playing basketball, doing all the school sports, running around, just getting tired, doing everything, as I'm sure you can imagine. So uh, the access to the sport is phenomenal in the Isle of Man. We have such fantastic facilities, but to up your game, to take the next step, you do have to sort of, realize where you want to be and then take that to the mainland to I say mainland we are a mainland but take it to the UK take it to England and then compete against sort of the the regions in the UK and then push on from there you know get onto the structure and move your way up. So as you said you started triathlons when you're in university you even competed in the world triathlon championships can you tell me about this experience? Yeah, so my story into professional cycling is slightly different. Um, I was always involved, as I said, around cycling with my parents. Um, I had done junior triathlons in the Isle of Man, but the, it was a growing sport. I'd watched my dad sort of compete at age group uh, world championships. And when I was sort of moving towards 18, 19, heading towards university, I was like, well, I want a positive sporting experience when I go to university. So I chose that I'd done a few over here, um, never really trained, but wanted to, had a big engine. I was a runner. I was Alaman schools cross country champion twice in a row. Um, I then realized I wanted to go to university. I wanted to have a positive sporting environment. I, I didn't want to play football anymore. I was sort of sick of football a little bit. So I went and joined the triathlon team, I think within... 12 months I qualified to represent Great Britain age group level at the world championships uh, I did my first world championships in London in 2013 after I think 12 to 18 months of being in the sport um, so that was a huge step forward for me and that's actually how I got into contact with Team Nova Nordisk so then um, the 2014-2015 I represented uh, Team Nova Nordisk on their elite team which is sort of the triathlon team but also uh, reaching out doing talks for the team and that's kind of when I had the opportunity to to move into cycling but the triathlon I did for maybe three years I represented Great Britain at two world championships one European championships at age group level and then in 2015 finished second at the British championships in um, in Liverpool so that was a, a, a big step for me. How did you manage all of your training for this around being at university? I think university was the prime sort of 
spot to do all this training. I mean, I have young cyclists coming up to me and young athletes, and I like to do a bit of mentoring and I like trying to support and help younger athletes because that's really where the future lies. And that's kind of where I want to be. You know, I like to support other people as much as I've been given support. So to give back means the world to me, but at university, it's this, I found this healthy relationship with being able to do my academic studies as long alongside sort of the sporting outcome as well you know um so for me it was it was an aside you know you can't do everything everything has to be in moderation you can't go full into sort of the academic and full into sport but to be able to combine them both I was in such a privileged position I was up in Newcastle uh, in Northumbria and the sporting facilities were insane so I would be swimming in the morning going to lectures and then getting out on the bike going for a run in the afternoon it was it was the perfect environment and I would um, say to anybody if they have the opportunity to go to university and they're into sport it's really an area of growth it's a a place where you meet other athletes who are as dedicated as you Uh, you meet high level athletes and you can really push your boundaries so that's where I felt like coming from the Isle of Man I was at the top and then moving to the university, I had that then opportunity to go into a much larger pool of athletes where I could compete at a high level. And that brought my sporting career on. How did you get more into cycling and what made you want to ride and race more? So in 2015, I'd, I'll tell you, take you back a year before. In 2014, when I joined the triathlon team of Team Nova Nordisk, Uh, My boss, Phil Sutherland, who is the co-founder of Team Nova Nordisk, also type one, uh, he set up the team and he said, would you like to, um, as you've applied for the triathlon team, would you actually like to come and try the cycling? I was like, well, I've got one year left in my degree. My parents will absolutely kill me if I, uh, if I leave now, can I finish my degree? He said, well, you'd have to come and move to America full time. So I said, maybe next year, which if I knew what I was turning down then, I would probably maybe I'd make a different decision, but um, I was lucky that I pursued and finished my degree Uh, within graduation. I did graduation and then uh, graduation. Then I went to Geneva for the European championships um, and didn't, didn't race so well. Uh, But then I came home and raced British championships came second. And then two days later, I actually flew out to Atlanta, Georgia, where team Nova Nordisk are based for the talent ID camp, which is basically the pipeline of Team Nova Nordisk. So it's where they go to see, um, sort of you go for a week and they look at the athletes. But I thought I was going sort of as a, a slightly older head. I was 24. Um, I was going sort of already on the triathlon team. I was going to develop my sort of sport and be able to go and sort of help give a helping hand. Anyway, I was actually offered a contract on the back of that. So here is me just graduated, finished second in the British Championships, just been to European Triathlon Championships, and uh, then just about to start a graduate scheme uh, after completing university. And then within, I think, a month of starting, I'd handed in my notice, and it was coming towards the end of 2015, and I was now signed as a development athlete, and I was heading out to America. So actually, until the 1st of January 2016, I'd never really touched the bike I'd trained for triathlon but a long ride was two hours um so yeah that's how it kind of all started it kind of went from sort of an opportunity uh an open door and you know I I felt like 
I had I had the attributes. I had a big engine, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. I always wanted to be a professional athlete, and so to be able to do it at that point in my life was probably the only opportunity I would have had to do it. So um, I switched focus. I went took the time off um, from triathlon and went straight into the bike full blast on the first of January 2016. Uh, I only raced my first race in. I think it was May 2016. So when I think about what I've achieved in that short time, I'm so privileged because yeah, I know we might talk about this shortly, but I went from my first bike race, April, May 2016 to Milan San Remo in 2018. So <laughs> I, less than two years, I was racing the biggest one day race in the world. So it was definitely the right call. That sounds like a crazy two years. How did you find the move out to America? Um, it felt like I was going back to university, which was quite nice because my mom and dad probably, I think my dad was fully behind me. Uh, when, when I sort of got the contract offer to be a development rider, um, I sort of spoke briefly to my dad about it and he didn't try and put me off, but he tried to make me make my own decision. And um, in that, that point, when I copied in the development team manager, I copied in my dad and he, when he saw the response, his response was right, let's do this. So having their support was phenomenal that I couldn't have done it without, without that support, but he didn't push me into a decision. He knew it had to come from me. So when I moved out to America, it was kind of just like this whole dream, you know, it was kind of, I knew where I wanted to go. I knew I didn't want to be in this just to be a cyclist you know I wanted to make this work and if it wasn't going to work then I was happy with that but at least I tried so moving out to America was just this Sam brand mission mode where I was putting the blinkers on it was just like this is it you've got one chance let's make it work and going out to America was a privilege um this whole opportunity was a privilege I have to realize that that I'm fortunate and I'm very lucky to have had that opportunity um, so going out to America, I knew this was a dream come true and it, dreams aren't achieved overnight, but this was the first sort of stepping stone in that. So I would have moved to Mars if it gave me an opportunity like this. So um, moving to America was was part of the process and, you know, it was, it was a great learning experience. What was your first race that you did? So it was the Blue Goose in, uh, you're pushing me now, it's either... South Carolina, I want to say, but it was a small, like 80 mile road race. I don't even know what 80 miles in K is because Americans do stuff like Britain do where they do it in miles. I think it was 128 K just roughly uh, road race. And um, it was just me <laughs> with no, I understand the tactics of cycling. I've always watched it, but being involved in that was totally different. And um, it was just, I, I guess, like a local British road race, um, one side of the road, learning all these new rules, um, understanding that when you watch it on TV, everybody uses both sides of the road and the rules are different, but then you have to get in into a local race because I'd never raced locally. So um it was a big learning experience, but I think I was, I can't even remember the result, but I'm sure it's online somewhere. Um, I think it was a bunch sprint in the end. I think a breakaway got away and then my teammate was in that. And then I came in the second group, which was the Peloton. So it was a big learning experience, but a, but a fun one. How did you sort of start training more when you, when your first sort of proper cycling was as part of a team? 
So we, when I joined the team, we were given the coach of the development team who actually lived with us in Atlanta. So uh, I was just given a training plan and told, crack on. So when I sort of um, handed my notice from my job, I was up in Newcastle. My dad came over. We got the car full of all my bikes, everything, moved four years of university and placement work back home uh, and then I think it was the last week in December 2015 where I started to focus on the bike and it was a case of just following a, a plan that had been set by the coach who'd seen me in the training camp in six months before so it was just following this regime trying to build up steadily because I was going from a big volume but mostly swimming cycling and running to just cycling was was a challenge, but um, I had a big engine, you know, as a bit of a runner, I'd run sort of like 15, 16 minute 5Ks to 30, 31, 32 minute 10Ks. So I had a, a good sort of, um, like I say, engine, but um, trying to transfer that onto the bike, it took a lot longer, not a lot longer, but it took some time to get onto the bike and get that used to it. But it, the engine was there. It was just trying to change it from a sort of a, complete endurance athlete towards a, a cycling endurance athlete normally I get people to tell me about their first races at national and international level but I guess it just sort of jumped straight to international races for you was it quite a shock to you as you were used to uh, racing the people who had been riding for ages yeah it was it was a challenge you know because I realized that my first bike race in the middle of 2016 to my sort of, I went, I turned stagiaire in the middle of 2017. So sort of what a year, year and a half into my cycling career, I was then racing professional races as every race. So um, mm. I realized that my local race opportunities were just in America. And then I went straight into the sort of the international fold pretty quickly. Um, I mean, when I signed pro at the end of 2017, I'd done six months in the pro team as a stagiaire race, Tour of Utah, uh, Colorado Classic. Then I went and did uh, Tour of China 1 and 2, and then I raced Tour of Hainan. So I did a lot of uh, races the back end of 2017 at a higher level, and it was something that took a while to get used to. You're talking about a peloton of 150 riders and everyone who's been doing this for years, and here's me dreaming still and pinch me, and then... I come into 2018, I signed pro and my first race is world tour at Abu Dhabi. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm still pinching myself. Uh, I was in the breakaway in my first race. Uh, I then got called up uh, after that to race at uh, uh, in Italy. And that was uh, a huge sort of, sort of, this is what real European racing is like. And then off the back of that, I was then... Five days later, told them racing Milan San Remo. So I was like, well, it was just an absolute joy. And it still is every single day. I, I sort of follow this dream and I realize that we only get this chance once. So stepping into that international fold, I understand people have it different. I understand people have a lot harder routes to professional cycling, but also I'm racing for a team of everyone around the world affected by diabetes, but I still have to race the same races. I still have to train as hard as anybody who doesn't have diabetes. So um, it's not super easy. People don't always get, you don't get the credit, you know, I'm, I don't want people to feel sorry for me, but I realize that um, we're doing this for a whole community of people. Um, and to do that, we also need to compete at the highest level. So it's, 
making sure that I'm at the best athlete I can be because we do it because we really want to affect change. And, you know, my part of this world, I really want to leave in a better place than when I found it. So um, anything I can do to support that diabetes community, to, to support the sporting community, the cycling community, everything, you know, everything I do, we do with a smile on my face and I'm super proud. So as you said, you turned pro for the team in 2018. How did you sort of manage having type 1 diabetes with being a pro rider racing regularly? You know, it's nice. I'm a super sociable person. So I love when I get into the peloton and they ask so many questions because the way that we can get across, like we already get it across to the diabetes community. They understand they get it. Uh, we still work every single day for them, but to try and empower the non-diabetic community or the non-type one community, the non-type two, the non-diabetes community, uh, we need to empower everybody because the more people know about it, the more that they will understand. So uh, when I came into the professional peloton to try and sort of answer those questions of people not fully understanding is nice, you know, you get to talk to different people people who i've been a fan of for years and uh they're asking questions it's it, it's humbling and it's empowering and it makes sort of the whole thing easier realizing that when i'm on the bike i'm not a person with diabetes i'm competing against any, anyone and everyone it's the, the i don't want people to feel sorry for us we don't want sort of charity you know that's not what it's about but we also have to make sure that we're focused on doing a job which is not diabetes related the job is to win bike races and that's what we're striving for every single day how do you find being asked questions from the people that you've sort of looked up to you know it's um it it is super strange i'm not gonna lie i mean it's ace because you go into a peloton and you're racing the biggest names in professional cycling on your first race and you're kind of like like you just look at yourself and you realize that's when i realized that i'm actually it I'm chasing a dream that is now there. And these guys, they're super humble. Uh, they understand um, what we're doing and why we're doing it. And to be able to chat to them and to be able to speak on, on a level with them is, is, pretty, is pretty surreal. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the same for you interview to, to somebody you look up to it, it, it it's yeah. a feeling that people can relate to you know so they we relate to each other um with every cyclist you relate because you understand the stresses everybody goes through but uh to race against your heroes is it's strange but it's exciting you know these are the people that i'm competitive against but i still want to beat them now you know so um it, it's it's a great opportunity but i have to also take myself in the environment that um they don't give handouts you just gotta be as fast and push as hard as you can to to try and beat every single one of them uh you've you can't realize that when you're in the race you're not really thinking oh here's this person here's that person because then you be it becomes a bit strange maybe i don't know but uh it, it is weird it took me my first sort of um my first, I remember one of my first races, I was I was going in the breakaway in Abu Dhabi tour or trying to get in the breakaway in Abu Dhabi tour. And we had like Tony Martin, uh, Roglic and all these guys in 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 the race with you and they're, they're trying to protect their leader and then you're there. And it, it's just, it is surreal. And that was my first experience of sort of super high level professional racing. And 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 then I got in the breakaway um, 
I was in the breakaway in that Abu Dhabi tour with Pierre Roland, someone who is a name, a huge name in cycling. And to be able to do that on your first race day is, is insane. So, um, yeah, I'm just super grateful for these opportunities. Um, something that I'll look back on very fondly, but right now, uh, it's still pushing on, still trying to win those bike races. And, you know, well, we've got a lot more to come and our team is pushing on big. So that's the goal to win more bike races, to get our name out there more and more and to show what's possible. In 2018, you competed in the Commonwealth Games in the Gold Coast, representing the Isle of Man. What was Australia like? Uh, well, that was an experience and a half. That was unbelievable because when I think back, I started that um, cycle um, off Commonwealth Games as a triathlete. So I was actually targeting to go to the Commonwealth Games as a triathlete, and I ended up going as a cyclist. So that is all pretty surreal. Um it was fantastic experience. I didn't have the greatest race. I actually crashed out of it live on TV. So all my family who stayed up over here to watch the race, watch me crash whilst my parents were on the start finish line. Um, it was a fantastic experience. I had um, a great story from that. I actually picked up a fan's bike and who gave me the, it was a circuit race, I think 16 laps or something. I'm not quite sure. Um, but uh, I said, does anybody have these pedals? I just want to get to the finish so I can tell my mom and dad I'm okay. So anyway, went around and then they didn't pull me out on that lap. So I thought I'll go back and see the guy whose bike I borrowed. And they were like, oh, Sam's back and getting all these cheers. So to be able to embrace the sort of Commonwealth Games culture and the feeling that, you know it's it's about sort of that feel-good story and it was just super to realize that people want to help and want to support okay it wasn't my greatest race but the it was to be able to pull on an Alaman jersey something at the highest level that we can represent the Alaman at that is really phenomenal and the Gold Coast was a fantastic experience and in my first year as a professional athlete I learned an awful lot from that one race and that situation didn't go my way but a lot of things in life away and it made me stronger made me a more rounded athlete and it's something that I've learned a lot from what was that 2018 season like for you with traveling all over the world for races oh wow well we travel a lot um it's really difficult um it was um it was just something that I, I rode on a cloud you know I kind of um took every experience as I I could um every experience I learned something from and make sure to take notes to sort of embrace my sort of um, go fully into the experience because that's the only way I learned so traveling around the world throughout 2018 was phenomenal and that is a joy and a privilege that I I have to enjoy and have to also realize it's part of the job so uh, I was on the road a lot of the time um a lot a lot so uh, I was on the road but that was just something that was an experience that I'll live with a long, a lot of sort of my time. I mean, from racing. Yeah. So from my first pro race in 2018 to sort of start of 2020, I raced on every single continent apart from Antarctica, because obviously Antarctica, um, but I raced on every continent apart from that. And that's something that within 18 months that I'm fortunate to have those experiences. And, and within those experiences, I, I sort of was able to do an outreach event with the diabetes community in every single one of them. Like I did some outreach events in Australia with, uh, 
uh, with the Australian diabetes community. And then I get to do some uh, in the end of the start of 2020, we did tour of Rwanda and tour of Colombia back to back. So I was able to do some outreach events in Colombia uh, with Team Nova Nordisk and some in tour of Rwanda, which is big for us. So uh, to be able to give back whilst I'm in those countries, that is the humbling side. And that is the a powerful part of what I do. And I love it. Can you tell me about the outreach that you do with the team? Yeah, so a lot of the outreach I do, I try to do as much as I can because I realised when I was younger, I didn't quite have that sort of person or community to be able to help me. And I want to be part of that community to give back because I get so much pleasure out of supporting other people that... um, I want them to have access to the platform that I have. I want other people to be able to get the best out of themselves. Now, not everyone wants to be a professional cyclist. That's fine. But we have doctors, we have pilots, you know, we have people who dream, you know, that just because we have diabetes doesn't mean we don't have dreams. Um, So if I can get on the bike every single day to realize that I'm supporting my community, I want to use my platform to, make sure that people can still chase their dreams no matter what they are. So um, when I go, I love to give talks, sit in a room with people, do FaceTimes, anything I can to support other people. And I did a couple of videos uh, for sponsors. And one of them was, um, I am quoted in saying, it takes 30 seconds to change someone's life. Now, if I can sit in a room full of people, if I can sit in a room full of 20 people, five people, anything, if I can make them smile, feel happier, um, test once more a day, something that leaves them re- realizing that, okay, it's not the end of the world. It's something that I can do and it's and to, I can still dream. That is change their life for the better. And something that's really powerful. It's a powerful statement. And it's a powerful mission. And those outreach events, I always say yes to because it's what I want to do. I want to support in those moments. So, I mean, I've done, done them everywhere, but it's like if I go to a race and there's a local diabetes community that want to uh, interact, then that's something that I want to do. I want to go and give that time to be able to benefit them. So for me, that is a joy of this job. Um, I want to win bike races, as I've said a couple of times now, but I also want to make sure that what I'm doing is affecting in a positive way, the community that I'm striving to help. So I want to give that time to them. Um, like I say, it takes 30 seconds and that 30 seconds could be the difference between making somebody happy and not being happy. So obviously I'm going to take the opportunity to, to make someone happy. And that's a, a huge benefit to what we do a huge, I mean, I use the word humble a lot, but it does make everything sort of, you feel humble that the bike is an outlet for me to express what I do with diabetes, but I want them to see the bike as an empowerment to allow them to do what they want to do with diabetes. And that's a, a real community, a real family that we have. And that's, that is so, so special. I think that's brilliant. You had a great race in Tour of Estonia in 2019. You were second in the mountains classification and even wore the mountains classification leaders jersey for that stage. Can you talk me through the stages and how it felt to be fighting for that uh, mountain swim? Yeah, that was probably one of my best races. I'd been to Toro, California just before. Um, that was a hard race, but Toro, California was always my, 
one of my dream races, you know? So I came to Estonia, not really knowing what to expect. And it was a brutal day, stage one. Um, we'd had a prologue and the prologue hadn't gone so well. Stage one was then a sort of a 200 kilometer stage from, um, from, oh, I can't remember. I think it started in Tallinn and it went to um, one of the other the cities where the second stage was going to be held. So it was sort of 200 kilometers um, and it was raining. It was typical British weather. So for me, I felt at home and I got in the breakaway. Um, we went over the first sort of through the first sprints. And then I started realizing that we had some KOMs on the stem. So I was like, oh, right. Okay. So I sort of look at those. And the first one was more of an uphill kick. And um, I came second over the first one. And then I realized the second KOM was sort of with 20K to go, uh, but they were bringing us back pretty sharpish and we dropped one guy from the breakaway, so then had four guys left. And as the break got within sort of 10K off the final KOM and we were on, they were only 20 seconds behind, I just attacked and went solo for 10K to take the second KOM. So I knew that I would have the jersey for the next day. So that was a, a real, like sort of stand out for me because it's something that I really had to push to a drop the other guys and b make it to the sort of KOM before everybody else. So that was something that I felt really strong on that day. I made it happen and I had a great team around me to support when they realized that we could go into a Jersey. Uh, the downside is the second day didn't suit me at all. It was a city center crit, basically 16 more of a commesser, it was 16 laps of 10K, I think. And the KOM was on the second lap and the 12th lap. So the breakaway was going to get it on the 12th lap. It was just they were going to try and keep it together for the first two. And I'm not a sprinter. So the kick was so fast that it was suited more of a sprinter. And uh, my teammate actually took the first KOM because we needed the other guy not to take it. Uh, he ended up coming second. And then I only lost the jersey on GC position because as the race developed, um, we had to then work for our team to bring it back together. So we were in an unfortunate position, but I knew that the only way that we could get something out of the race at that point was for me to sacrifice myself. So me and another teammate did a lot of the pulling to bring the group to bring the race back together. So we had a chance to sprint for the victory. So although I was sad to lose it based on my GC position. Um, I gave everything I could in that race. And that's something that I'm super proud of. I still have the Jersey hung up somewhere uh, to be framed as I moved into my new house. So um, it will be framed at some point. Okay. I didn't win it, but uh, I got to wear it and I got to wear it for the whole of the diabetes community, the whole of my team. And I had some great support there, even though it wasn't the plan. Um, these things happen in cycling, you know, you get an opportunity and you take it. So, um, I'm, I'm honored to have worn it and the race in Estonia is absolutely fantastic. I love the country and, um, we went back last year. So yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal place and that's a, a race that will always stick in my memory. So you've already mentioned it, but can we talk a bit more about Milan San Remo? Cause I know it must've been a brilliant race to be a part of. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I remember when I came up back from Larciano and then I got the email on the on the train on the way from London to London Gatwick to fly back home. I remember getting this email saying, Sam, it's uh, it's quite for now, but we're going to put you in Milan San Remo. I was like, what is going on? I rang my dad and said, Dad, uh, 
what would you do if I told you I'd been selected for Milan San Remo and you just hear this like, oh my God, just like my parents going crazy in the background. So um, it might not mean much to anybody else, but to me as a fan, as as a pure cycling nut, uh, to be selected for that in 2018 was surreal. It was just a phenomenal experience is just turn pro and you've been selected for the biggest race in the calendar, biggest one day race in the world, longest one day race is just absolutely surreal. And that, that doesn't get lost on me. You know, so a lot of people might get lost in the situation that they've done it a lot of times, but um, I've done Milan San Remo three times and I, you can tell by the smirk on my face that it means a lot. And uh, it's phenomenal. It's, it's just a, a big race for the team. We had uh, two guys in the breakaway that year. The next year, we had four guys in the breakaway. Uh, and then we did it again last year and we had two guys in the breakaway. So it's phenomenal. It's a big race for us. And it's something that is never lost on me. It's like, whoa, like it, just a dream come true. How do you and the team manage your diabetes when you're doing races that go on for several hours? So we use continuous glucose monitoring. So it allows us to see real time what our blood sugars are doing. Uh, we also have team doctor and equipment in the car if we need to go back and check our blood uh, just as a sense check. But um, it's one of those things where diabetes doesn't sleep when you get on the bike. You have to be on top of it. Uh, that starts the night before. That starts days before. Um, well, you're on top of it every day anyway, but to make sure that you're ready to race, it has to be the night before following in, making sure that you're in zone as much as possible, rid of any fluctuations, any variability and anything that could become a factor. So it's just about using your brain, um, making sure that everything's in place and you put in the right protocol. So that's eating very often, making sure that your blood sugars aren't too high, aren't too low, they're in range. And it's really just like a learning curve and something that happens on the day you just have to keep an eye on on the trends and like i say we have access to that whilst we race so uh if we need to make it uh sort of adaptions to that whether it's take insulin on board whether it's take more fuel on board it's just something based on what your sugars are doing in real time i think that's really interesting have you ever had to stop in a race because of your diabetes um never because of my diabetes no touch wood you know hopefully everything goes fine but uh it's something that you have to be super tuned about, uh, you tune into, but it becomes a process that you've put in alongside training. So it's just something that you train as well as you, you train what you do in these situations. You train like sort of that mindset on how do I change this? And then it just becomes like another training session. So I'm basically just train how to react if this happens, what to do if this happens, uh, and then make sure that I, I, I have access to everything on the bike, which I do. So it's kind of just like making sure that I have that experience in place and then it becomes second nature. It's it's not easy to explain. Um, I'd love to explain it more uh, as a whole. You know, it's something that I'm super passionate about. But, uh, you know, we have fantastic uh, support from the team and we have the, well, the best support from the team that is able to give us this platform to use it. So uh, as long as I keep constant monitoring of the blood glucose level, then that's the answer. Then I can make the question around that. So what do I need to do now? What do I need to do now? Okay, with two hours into a race, what's happening? Am I okay? Um, a decision that you make on the bike in terms of diabetes management, you have to realize is an instant. You have to then stick with that decision for a while. So you also need to think ahead 
is the hills coming into play? Uh, what's coming up in the next 10 minutes? How's that going to affect it? If I do this now, what's going to happen in 20K? So it's kind of those decisions, but you become attuned to that. You become understanding of how your body's going to react because not everybody reacts the same to different simulations. So for example, adrenaline is huge and it's something that you get on a race day that you wouldn't get in the same training. So you have to make sure that you know how your body's going to react to those situations, which having a team of riders with type one is great because everybody understands that situation. Everybody understands it's all different. And that support you get is it's more than just a team, you know, it's a family. Yeah, it does sound like you have a great team of riders around you. How was your motivation affected in 2020 when lockdown happened? Oh, well, I'm always motivated. The super thing about me is that during 2020, I was able to give it a big kick because I realized that a lot of people, so for me, a lot of things are still brand new being so new into cycling, but I also have that level of, I need to do a lot more because I don't have that muscle memory. I don't have that sort of time on the bike as a, as a youth, as a junior. So I need to do that. So I used the opportunity to really up my game. I used it to sort of focus on the Isle of Man. We were fortunate to not be limited on exercise. Uh, we came out of lockdown fairly early. So I was able to sort of really push myself really develop myself and I felt I came out the other side quite strong and I realized that not everybody had that opportunity so I don't say it with like a smug face or with anything I just say it because that's how I lived through it I mean I also did a lot of work with a, a good friend on the Isle Man, Phil Quirk who's sort of a, a mind coach and there's this thing where he taught me something super important that I'd like to share with you and with your fans because um, he said that Sam, okay, you say you're always motivated, but motivation is a, is a resource that comes and goes, okay, I do feel motivated all the time, but he said, the difference is you have a, a community that you fight for every single day. So the diabetes community is your commitment. So he said, motivation comes and goes, but I'm firmly committed every day to that community that when my motivation dwindles, my commitment to them is what pushes me through. So my commitment to the diabetes community to realize that me getting on the bike every day is to support them, to help them is something that will never change. So mm -hmm. that commitment is something that even if motivation is a little bit lower, that commitment is like, okay, I'm doing this to help other people. And you can again tell by my face that that makes me so proud. And that's something that won't ever change. So you sort of got back to racing normally uh, at the end of 2020. You rode Paris Tours and the Tours of Hungary and many other races. How did you feel the end of 2020 went for you? I felt actually like it went pretty well. I raced pretty much every single race that the team had in the back end of 2020. And I raced really well. It was, it was one of those you didn't really know how the racing was going to develop, what was going to happen, but there wasn't much let up. Um, I started actually in that coming straight into sort of, I think the first one was, um, it was in Nouvelle Aquitani. What was it? I'm not sure what the race was called, but um, on the first stage I was in the breakaway. I actually won 
Um, I got on the podium for one of the sprint uh, classifications, which I'm not a sprinter at all. So that was nice. That was humbling to get on the stage uh, there and and sort of help out. Actually, the race before that, I was in the breakaway in the Tour of Poland, so World Tour race. Um, that was phenomenal for me to be in the breakaway, another World Tour breakaway. Um, so I felt it, I raced really well, and I felt I'd up my game. I taken a huge step forward at the end of 2020 and I feel that like I pushed on through a really tough year for everyone I understand um that there was a lot of pressure and a lot of um tough times on people and still are so um that that sort of six months was difficult because I left the Isle of Man where it was relative um safety because we had free rain because there were um no restrictions here, but also knew when I left that I couldn't come back because they were stopping people coming home. So, and then when I did finally get to come home, I had to do two week isolation. So it was a really difficult, um, six months, but, um, again, doing what I do is a privilege. So going, knowing that I didn't want to miss that knew and the race opportunities were there, uh, I had to go and I had to go to sort of do what I'm wired and born to do and that's ride a bike race a bike and uh help the diabetes community so yeah it's it is a relatively easy decision to make and um now i felt like the end of 2020 uh went really 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 strong and some great races the 2021 season was a bit more normal and you started off with some races in italy including milan san remo again what was your march block in italy like well, again, that was difficult because um, I was actually unable to return again because obviously I did two-week isolation. So in 2021, when I left in January, I didn't come home till, or I came home after every race, but I wasn't allowed out of isolation each time. I was allowed to train on my own, but I wasn't allowed to see my family, uh, only to pass me stuff through the door. Uh, so I spent the first six months in constant isolation. That was through my 30th birthday. Um, so I, I had a really tough six months. Um, I didn't feel like the, I felt the racing was a lot harder last year. Um, it stepped up a lot um, and everyone was going full gas because we weren't sure what was going on. Every country had different um, lockdown situations. So in honesty, the first few months of the 2021 season were difficult for everyone. Um and I felt like that block of racing, um, it was hard to prepare for because I was here, there and everywhere. It's hard to get to know what your body was going through. But um, I mean, Milan Sam Raymond went, went well for us as a team. We had two guys in the breakaway again, uh, Charles and Andrea. So we had a, some strong racing. Personally, I wanted a bit more, but those sort of one day Italian classics are, are tough and they're always going to be tough. So um, I did my best. I helped the team. I supported the team. Um, they weren't my style, but again, I, it's a privilege to race them and, and to get the legs turning again was great and love Italy is probably one of my favorite countries. So, uh, going there and being able to represent the team and race strong, as strong as possible and do some teamwork was phenomenal. So although the results don't look great, uh, or might not look great, I was there to do a job and that job was to support my team, which I felt I did really well. Do you think that? Uh, not having as big an off season because of the way the 2020 season was made it harder to come back in the March of 2021. 
so we came through the start of the season not having much of an off season. People raced sort of a block all the way through, and um, that suited some people, not suited others. So it sort of took a while to get used to that style of racing. Um, and then races I did the year before were all of a sudden easier the year before, and then everything was a lot harder this season or the 2021 season. So I guess it's also an expectation. If you realize that this race last year wasn't raced like this, or you have an expectation that this is how the race is going to be raced, and then you go there and it's raced a lot harder, then it's it's difficult because all you have is the memory of the last time you raced it. So uh, it was a challenge to get going in 2021, not get going mentally, but to realize, oh, this is a different style of race, and this is how every race is going to be raced from now on. So when I adapted to that, realized and understood, then fantastic. So you did some races in Europe in the summer, including Tour of Hungary and Tour of Estonia again, and also the Bauhaus uh, Belgium Tour, and then there was the British National Championships. You had a DNF in that race. What happened? So in Nationals, it was a, it was a t- difficult one to take because I'm racing on my own. It was a horrible day, middle of October, end of the season, <clears throat> and I felt really strong. But there was a couple of crashes early on uh, and uh, they we were the peloton basically and uh, we got to the last lap with 12k to go and they said stop, which is difficult to take because although you're not in the race anymore, a finish is nice. So yes. when, you, when you DNF 50, 60 guys in one go because you're two and a half minutes down, it just seems a bit of a backward step, but that's just the way it goes. And that's what happens sometimes. Uh, I was there, I was strong, but I could only cover what I could cover. I could only do one man's job because I'm there on my own with no food food support, no bottle support. Um, <clears throat> so that was a difficult one, but it was a, a strong season. I still raced 150 of the 160K. I just wasn't allowed to complete the final lap. Uh, so those things happen and it's just part of cycling. Uh, it it wasn't it was out of season really it wasn't something that I targeted but I still pushed on it came off the back of a strong tour of Croatia so mm-hmm. I just wanted to see what I could do and I tried to follow a few moves and it didn't come on me on that day and it's just what happens. Did you have much of an off season over the holiday period and into 2022? No, I didn't get much of an off season, but um, I don't know if you saw, but um, I went out to do Mallorca 312, which is a 312 kilometer Grand Fondo. And my boss was like, Sam, do you want to come out? Um, We're doing um, the 312 kilometers. But beyond that, um, a friend of the teams, a friend of mine, a big fan of mine is a guy called Tom Kelsall. Now he's got a a type one diabetes, but he also has cool and DeVries syndrome, which um, it gives him some other complications as well and uh, the videos on my social media it's probably the best thing I've ever done but um my boss Phil was like we're gonna surprise him now his dad knows that I'm coming Tom doesn't know I'm coming but neither of them know you're coming so I was like unbelievable so um I put a video on my social media in the rain when they were on the way to the hotel that I'd taken from British Nationals a week earlier and I posted it tagged them and saying I'm good I'm not there but enjoy it and then they came out, met Phil, and then all of a sudden I turned up and the look on their face was unbelievable. So that next day, the day before Mallorca 312, we took uh, Tom and Neil out for a ride and it was just a dream come true. And that's 
the moments that I cherish and the moments that I live for every single day to realize that these moments don't come around every day and to change someone's life in that way is phenomenal. And uh, the look on Tom's face that we changed his life is phenomenal. And I actually rode for him in Milan San Remo last year with his name on my bike. And he then went to a special Olympics camp the next day and rode with my name on his bike. So there's this bond that we have, which is special and it's pure and I would do anything to help Tom. And that was my privilege to go out there and do that and support Tom. So it didn't have much of an off season, but to do that and have that experience was just so pure and so special. And then I came home, I had maybe a few days off the bike and then it started to build back up again. So um, these opportunities mean so much more and so much pride and pleasure in being able to give my time to those situations. So it's fantastic. Oh, wow, that's lovely. I'll definitely have to uh, share the link so that our listeners can watch that. Thank you. Your international season this year has started with Turkey, with the Tour of Antalya. Uh, how are you feeling to be back racing at the start of a new season? Oh, it was phenomenal, you know, because I went into that race and um, we'd had a few sort of uh, people who weren't racing it. So I went in there and had the chance to see what I could do. And I honestly, I felt the best I ever felt. Um, race really well, race really strong. Um I was supposed to go to Rwanda afterwards, but because of COVID situations, I was unable to go. So I had to remove from Rwanda, which was a bit difficult uh, because I was racing really well. But, um, you know, I'll come back, I'll get other opportunities and I'm um, looking forward to sort of kicking on again. I, I raced really strongly in Antalya, um, big step forward. And um, that's something that I want to, to continue now. And I'm looking forward to racing again. It's, um, it's a learning experience. It's... Uh, having to live with this new normal and what's going on. So you have to realize that these things happen. And um, yeah. I felt like, like I say, I felt I was really strong. I've got a lot to give this season as I do every season, but um, I'm dedicated. I'm there and I, I want to be the best I can be for not just myself, not just my team, but beyond that, the diabetes community. Do you have any goals for this season? Well, in terms of the team, I want to win a race. That's easy to say, harder to do, but um, that would be an ultimate goal, would be to get on the podium for Team Nova Nordisk. We also have a small uh, thing of the Commonwealth Games, so uh, hopefully I'll be at the Commonwealth Games with uh, Team Isle of Man. We have a very, potentially a very strong lineup this year, so it would be nice to go there with a full, full squad and uh, be able to show sort of whilst I would be racing for the Isle of Man, I'm always racing for Team Nova Nordisk and I'm always racing for the diabetes community. So if I can do something there with the diabetes community and link them in, then that would be phenomenal for me. So, um, but really it's to keep pushing the mission of Inspire, Educate and Empower and really driving change in diabetes, uh, no matter where I race. So that is the number one goal uh, alongside doing everything I can to be on the top step of the podium. And that's where we want to be, whether that's my teammate, whether that's me, um, just as long as we can do the best we can to help our community. I understand that there is a documentary coming out about the team. Can you tell me a bit about this? So in 2021, we are fortunate to have a film crew, a very talented film crew follows around uh, and they've produced a sort of an hour and a half, two hour documentary about the team. 
uh, following us through 2021. So uh, I was actually out in Copenhagen for the private pre-screening. Uh, it's phenomenal. It's absolutely unbelievable. And the power that this documentary has goes beyond the diabetes community. I really think that anybody in cycling, anybody outside of cycling can learn a lot from this situation and from this film. And I just hope we all get the chance to see it. There's movements in the process now it's being released, uh, whether it'll become available to the population, to the general public. I hope so. That is the goal. So I'm hoping that it will be on access to everybody so everybody can view it. But it's phenomenal. And the the team have done a fantastic um a fantastic sort of two-hour documentary that will sort of change the way that people see cycling, change the way that people see diabetes and how it all links together and, and really embrace what we do as a team and why we're so different and what we do within our community. So I really, fingers crossed, hope everyone gets to see it. I would really love to watch that. Where do you see yourself and the team in five years' time? Well, when I started this journey, I wanted to be in the Tour de France and that hasn't changed. I'd love to wear the yellow jersey. Okay, it's easy to say, easy to have a big dream, but I've made this dream possible to now. Let's not stop, you know? So uh, to be on the start line of the Tour de France, full stop, that was where I want to see this team. Um, You know, that's not up to me, but this team can push on, you know? This team has a lot of sort of, power a lot of energy and we want to make sure that we do the right right take the right steps but i'd love to do a grand tour i'd love to be in the start line of the tour de france so that would be the ultimate dream and to do that with a team of people with type 1 diabetes would be the absolute ultimate so that's where i want to be and that's what it won't be for the want of trying you know i'll push on and do everything i can every day to make that happen what's your favorite race that you've ever done Oh, favourite race now? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, um, Milan San Remo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the um, the occasion, the memories, having my parents at the finish line one year. It's just, it is phenomenal. It's just one of those races. I'm fortunate to have raced a lot of fantastic races like out in Japan, uh, so many different ones, but Milan San Remo, the gravity of the race you're doing, the one monument in cycling is just a race that will always mean the world to me. Other than the Tour de France, is there any other races that you would really like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, any other races? I mean, I'd, Paris-Roubaix, I'm not going to lie, I would love to do that. It's, again, one of the massive races of cycling, isn't it? So that would be a race that, again, I would be a pinch-me moment, but, uh, yeah, that would be one of the the ones that I'd love to do. Whether whether I'd be saying that on the start line, I'm sure Mm -hmm. I would, but that would be one of the ultimate races to do, yeah, definitely. Where's your favourite place to ride for fun? Oh, favourite place to ride for fun? Well, I have to say the Isle of Man, not because I have to, but because I want to. The Isle of Man is a phenomenal place. Uh, it's just, every ride is different. Uh, okay, it's windy, but you always see the sea uh, and it's home and you cannot beat riding at home. So best place to ride for fun has got to be home. You know, whether that's with my family, mum and dad, uh, my little nephew, he's just got his first little uh, stroller bike. So a strider bike so um just anywhere with my family anywhere with friends you know so that's usually here at home okay i wish for a bit of sun sometimes but it's not not a problem home is the best place 
Who's your favourite current rider? Um, favourite current rider? Oh, that's a good question. I am. I like everybody. Uh, I can't say that, I guess. But um, I try to realise that um, everybody is the same as me, you know, like, so I don't try and put a gravity on people because they're the best rider in the world. Everybody I still have to compete against. So I don't really like to sort of make them targets. So um, there's not there's, I, there's some fantastic riders out there at the moment and they do absolutely phenomenal things, but I still have to compete against them. So um, for me at the moment, I just try and focus on on me and, there's some phenomenal athletes like you got Roglic, Podjikar, you know, all these guys who are doing phenomenal things. But um, it's it's a difficult one to say. I don't sort of idolise anyone because I have to compete against them. So um, for me at the moment, uh, I just focus on what I can do and hopefully to be better. And that's kind of what I like to do. I like to think of it in a simple terms. Do you have a favourite rider of all time that you sort of looked up to? and watched when you were younger um again it's i mean like i like to treat everybody as equal you know just because someone's won a lot of races it doesn't make them better than anybody else but you know i always sort of grew up with my dad talking about mercs and tom simpson and those kind of riders so those sort of classic old school riders uh are riders that you realize had uh, were just pushing the boundaries and um they were just phenomenal athletes and you realize that uh, there's this whole wealth of experience come out of cycling and we're fortunate to have some great uh, cyclists still working within our team. You know, we've got a DS of Massimo Podenzana, who was Italian national champion, won a stage of the Tour de France. So these kind of guys who uh, relatively recent history, but uh, you can learn a lot from these guys. So, so growing up, it was kind of just like that sort of era trying to sort of make sure that I watched as much cycling as possible when I was a kid and these kind of guys leave their marks, you know, you, you realize that you're following in their footsteps on the bike and, um, the likes of like Fabian Cancellara and these kind of riders, there's just a different level, you know, Jens Voigt, these kind of guys were, were people that I sort of watched immensely as a child. What's your advice for young riders? Advice for young riders, you know, don't, don't give up. Um, there's always an opportunity there. Uh, open as many doors as possible. Take as many opportunities as you can, because the more you close, you don't just close off that one opportunity. There's hundreds of opportunities that you close off through that one channel. So uh, if you can uh, take every opportunity that comes your way uh, and then just go from there, don't think of it as a big picture. Just think of it step by step and then uh, you'll find your way. You've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? Oh, playlist. Now, that's a good question. Um, I listen to absolutely everything, but I'm a huge like classic rock fan. So I'll put like Rolling Stones on or The Who, um, something like that, you know, start me up. Um, there's that kind of like sort of strong um, guitar hits you know something that's going to get the boil and so it's like uh you know I'm, I'm a massive who fan so uh won't get fooled again bobber o'reilly these tunes are something that i'm listening to all the time some classic heavy rock thank you so much for joining me today sam no uh, thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute pleasure and you're an absolute rock star so keep up the good work it was phenomenal and 
no, I can't wait to speak to you again. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you. I think it's incredible what Sam has done for the diabetes community. And I wish Sam a massive good luck for this upcoming season. I hope you enjoyed listening. You can find other episodes and incredible stories on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, my Buzzsprout website, and all the usual podcast places. You can also find the podcast on social media, so that's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the GCN app. See you on the bike.